the difference between us when we came here is we participated in the texture of what was here. Like, you know, when I was in the mission, I spoke Spanish. When, you know, I was around artists, I made art with them. When I'm around music, I would I would support local music and I'd be a part of local music. I didn't come here and change everything. And in that sense, that's what's changed. That was poet, drummer, and teacher K.R. Morrison. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from teachers, bartenders, doctors, and other San Franciscans telling stories and responding to the question, what is it about this place? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4, Part 1. In this podcast, K.R. shares her story of moving to San Francisco, where she came from, what attracted her to the city, and what the place was like back in the late 90s. She walks us through how she got started playing drums, something she's currently doing as a member of two feminist rock bands. Here's KR. 97, I moved here after high school, um, and I fell in love with the place right away. I mean, being from two types of family that were like night and day, I don't know, I, I don't really think I felt like I fit into anything. And I had already at that point discovered hardcore music and had made a lot of friends that made me hungry to be someplace where I could be myself on my own terms without any obligations to either side of the family. Um, so I came here and got into a college here and I never looked back. I, I moved to England for a little while in 99 for college, but then returned here to finish and went home for a quick second degree and then uh, came back just a couple years later. So more or less, I've been here 21 years. What was it about San Francisco in 1997? It, 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 it was a quite different place. I was thinking about this all day and all day yesterday because I saw that your, uh, the other episode and I thought, God, because it is different. It's a lot different. And I feel like I've been here through all like this huge process so kind of like looking at yourself in an old photograph and you're like holy shit I've changed so much but you never really saw the evolution like it's so different from then but then you feel kind of arrogant saying that because there's people that were here in like 91 or 89 that look at me and giggle and they're like oh honey you know like I was the first wave of gentrification if you want to get real about it well I don't know I think the difference between us when we came here is we participated in the texture of what was here. Like, you know, when I was in the mission, I spoke Spanish. When, you know, I was around artists, I made art with them. When I'm around music, I would, I would support local music and I'd be a part of local music. I didn't come here and change everything. And in that sense, that's what's changed. Thank you. You took the words out of my mouth. This is an argument I have with people. I'm going to say friends because my friends get it. But it's like, this is different. When we came here in the 90s and the early 2000s, a lot of us came here because of what it was, not because of opportunity or to change right. it and, and, not, and to give, not to take. Right. No attempt to revise it. Yeah. It, to add to. That's right. And nothing was broke. I mean, it was the first place I had ever been um, in California that had a music culture that had an art culture 
that had um, young people just hungry to be a part of things bigger than themselves that they could actually inform also. And that, the only time I really see that now is with my immediate friends here that we all kind of hide out and find each other, you know. Um, and that's what it was then. God, I, I still remember coming here and being, like I felt like a, a little kid. I felt like jogging cross country, you know. I, I had a lot of family stuff happening around me at the time I'm blessed to say we all got past that but at the time I needed to go somewhere where I could just figure out what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be on my own terms and not without owing anyone anything or keeping people sane and you know just come here and get creative and go to school I don't know if it was like the space because it was it's so small or what, but I feel like it had an intimacy here then that when I would go to New York or if I go to uh, New Orleans or if I went anywhere where there was also the same kind of ingredients, it, it was too much for me. Whereas here, it was so close and everybody was so close by and then writers were also playing music and musicians were also oh you go you can speak another language also oh you have the same politics as me oh you have issues with like the way capitalism is changing everything so do I and like finally not feeling reprimand for it or like I'm somehow being entitled by critiquing something I saw as unfair really young you know and I got that mouth everywhere else. A thing that I've been grappling with the last five years or so, I don't even know how long, is what, something you just talked about and something we, we talked about here is like that the mental struggle, at least, against capitalism and yeah. seeing what capitalism is doing, while at the same time, this city, since its founding, has been so capitalistic. Yeah. So I, I really feel like another part of the story of San Francisco is this is tension on so and on so many levels like artist and entrepreneur yeah. and capitalist and social like whatever yeah you know my feelings towards that are extremely personal uh, and like I said it goes it goes back to family you know and having family on one side of SoCal and I saw what it looked like for them and how hard it was. My mother, you know, working double shifts and it still was never enough with us kids. And then being in another community when I was with my dad and seeing the stark difference. And it's a 20 minute fucking freeway ride. Excuse my language, but. So I was always aware of class. And it, so it's always been personal. So when I fast forward to starting to teach, I think that's why we click so well, me and those kids, because I know their reality, because my siblings had to live it. And I did too for a time per period, but then I had a dad that kind of came in and rescued me, so to speak, and they didn't have that. So issues around capitalism and around profits and around that sort of system that shapes everything, for me, they've never been politics. They've never been, you know, something that we sit around at a dinner table with wine and talk about. And in fact, sometimes a, sh sometimes a very um, 
honest Republican is easier for me to deal with than someone on the left that talks so much about these issues. But when have they ever been in the trenches to ever understand just how hard it is, you know? I mean, capitalism, in order to survive, it has to eat itself. And so we're living in, like, proverbial cotton fields where, you know, there's only so far profits will go until they have to expand and extend and then leave and go to other places in order to maintain their profits. And that's what a profit system is. It's always what, when people say to me, like, oh, capitalism is fucked up and did everything wrong. I always tell them, no, it's doing exactly what capitalism does. Like, this is capitalism, you know. And it, it's painful for me. I just... I teach students, I do the best I can to bring them writing and reading and literacy because that helped me teach them how to speak up for themselves. You know, I tell them if, if you can't speak up for yourself, no one's going to speak up for you. Somehow I end up with like a bunch of kids, they all call me Mama Mo. You know, it's probably why I don't have any of my own because I stumbled on this job and we fell in love with each other, you know. Great. What what level? Tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. This year I'm tenth and twelfth grade. Um, normally I teach a, a creative writing class. Yeah, they're amazing. That's the other reason I love this city so much. Cause I did a lot of student teaching and observation down in SoCal. I thought I didn't want to be a teacher. I was like, fuck this. Like these kids are snobby and get everything handed to them. And and then I did a little uh, student teaching in in Mayfair, Long Beach. So those kids are. Uh, a lot like these kids, you know, they know what it's like to struggle. They're just looking to be heard and they got bruises on their heart like the rest of us, you know. So they, they, they make me grounded. They keep me stable. Otherwise, I'd be Hemingway. I have a lot of stories. I don't, it's kind of like, oh, shoot, which, what do I, what do I tell? The two bands, um, Harriet and I, that's my, that's my sort of, family band we became musicians together and I call us the Viking band or at least I call the girls that they're all mothers who basically fight to stay artists because now that they're moms and wives they're constantly told by everything around them speaking of our system that they can't and that they should feel bad and that, you know so I'm very proud to be in that band We've been off and on for about nine years. That's Harriet with an O. With right? an Harriet O. H a r r i o t. We we were we were trying to think of the girl that's like super rad, super cute. Everyone likes her. She might skateboard or something. Something very cool about her. But then just when you think she's super cool, she like eats shit down the stairs at prom night. You know, like she's kind of a goofball. And kind of my hero. And kind of your hero, like Ramona the Pest-esque. Yeah. Yeah, that's what came, how we came up with it. We really were all just stumbling to figure out our instruments when we started, and I'm really proud to say we're a really good band now. And the girls write amazing stuff, and I, I do some songwriting in the band. So I had this student. She's like a daughter to me now. She's an amazing artist up in Portland right now as we speak. She's doing very well, but rewind to when she was 16 they threw her into my class because her father had been killed tragically in a motorcycle accident and she was this multi-talented 
little Svengali of a kid that did basketball and drawing and music and all this stuff, and her grades just plummeted, understandably so, and everything. So they gave her to me thinking I could help her. And it, it was at the same time that I had been through something extremely tragic as well. And she didn't really know it, but like as I was helping her, and I didn't really quite know it in the moment, but she was helping me, you know. So we were spending a lot of time together, and one particular day it was storming rain, and um, at this point I'd already met her mom, and I was close to the family, so I was driving her home. And I just hadn't seen the kid smile, and I can't tell you how long. So I put on the Chromags in the car, because I wanted her to hear some good solid hardcore music you know and she's in the car all mopey and I started air drumming uh, we gotta know in the car on my on my steering wheel which got her to laugh and then I told her I said Mia I'm gonna tell you a secret that I've never told anyone like this is embarrassing she's like okay I'm like I fantasize about being a drummer in my head like in the car like I picture myself a drummer and these are the songs that I listen to and I pretend I'm a drummer and she giggled and was like oh, I won't tell anybody she was part of this program School of Rock the Paul Green kids School of Rock program they had just started an adult program so she rolls into class one day and is like Miss Morrison School of Rock started an adult program I signed you up for drums and I'm like what? what? <laughs> and then, so and she tells me some crazy, like, $450 to me. And I was like, oh, God, well, I can't do it. Sorry. I can't afford it, you know. So then she goes home. Well, it just so happened that year I had organized budget cut protests for kids. They were on the news. Thanks, Mom. They were on the news. They had been, um, they marched up Polk Street and met other high schools and, so that was that, that. I probably should have brought that up earlier. I got way into political organizing. I used to work with a group out of Berkeley. Um, but her the director of her program, I guess, had seen all this stuff on the news and told her, "Tell Miss Morrison she has a scholarship." Because he was, yeah. And I was like, "Ah, that's how I started playing drums." And I was not young. I think I was thirty-two. 31 or so but that's when I started playing drums and my only regret is I didn't do it sooner because I imagine I would have been shredding you know I'm I'm pretty solid right now but like I imagine how good I'd be if I'd been playing since I was like 14 or something are drums still fun for you huh are drums still fun oh yes they're fun you know they're tactile not all fun but I've played bass i play guitar yeah i haven't sung because no one wants that but and then i play drums and by far it's just you're it's you're back there i don't know well anyone anyone that like knows me can tell you i have a little bit of a bad temper okay so this should have been discovered a long time ago it's been it's been such a great way to get out of my head to get tactile and to also be present because as a writer and a teacher I control a lot of things I'm always in my head and I'm always you know doing things on my watch and with drums it's it's just not that simple you got to get Yoda you got to get out of your head you got to do four things at once and it's it's fun but it's also been my greatest challenge 
Oh my gosh. And then I ended up learning how to play. And then in like 30 minutes in a lesson, I, I had it. And it was like I was supposed to be doing it. And then Soph and I, you know, we're like family now. So we kind of kept that connection. My guitar, the guitarist in my band, um, she ran that rock school. Another lady that's in the band, she actually taught vocals in that rock school. And we've had uh, a few different bass players. Now we have a, a lady named Nina, who's just awesome. She's also a writer. Yeah, I'm just proud to be part of a band of women that we juggle so many important things as women, you know? That's kind of amazing. We just wrote a song for the Me Too thing that's just really important to all of us. And by the way, still happening. Let's not pretend there's a lot of other shit going on. Yeah. But that's still important. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a show about it or? No, no. We wrote a song. Oh, a song. Sorry. Yeah. We wrote a song for it. Okay. Um, well, we write a lot of song about, uh, we write a lot of songs about women. Yeah. For some reason. We yeah, always end up. Weird. I don't know. Like, if you told me 20 years ago I would have become a feminist poet and a feminist musician and would be so loud about these things that for years, I think just due to having so many close males in my life, I thought, oh, this is human. This is human. And I was so afraid to really look at things. And um, I think a lot of women are finally being honest about that, you know? I know I am. It's just, like, so nice to release it you know I can't think of how many women I know that yeah. are just all of us have had some story about this and it's amazing what your mind remembers once a narrative begins around it right you know I think that's the biggest reason I'm proud of the bands is we're women that are very vocal about that both in our our music and in the world We're um, nameless right now, but we're leaning towards fallopia. <laughs> um, I, I, I know one of the, the bass player in that band, it turns out we knew each other. We didn't even know it. I got a call from Edzilla Zeitgeist. He's like, hey, my homegirl needs a drummer. And Harriet and I, we were, we were on a little bit of a hiatus. So I thought, well, I could be in two bands. I don't need to just be in one. And I went, and it turns out Heather and I already knew each other, and they're fantastic. I mean, they're way better musicians than I am, so it's made me kind of answer to it. And, um, yeah, we're writing good stuff, but we're pretty new. Again, that was poet, drummer, and teacher K.R. Morrison. Check back Thursday when K.R. will tell stories about being a public school teacher and a writer. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald, a.k.a. Joe Bigale. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfather. Remember to follow Storied San Francisco on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of season one and the first three episodes of this season are up on our website, storiedsf.com. You can also find Storied San Francisco hats, t-shirts, and koozies, which make really great gifts. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. And if you have comments or suggestions, please send them to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.